It's Not With A Bang, the show where we hope that Trump really is a puppet of Vladimir Putin, because despite what it means for democracy, at least that might deter nuclear Armageddon. For a bit. In Airlines That Aren't United PR Catastrophe News, cabin crew on a Turkish Airlines flight from Guinea to Burkina Faso helped a woman give birth at 42,000 feet. And then obviously charged her $55 for being three kilograms over her luggage allowance. In needless Republican infighting news, Steve Bannon, chief strategist and weird grey thing I found in my nose and I don't know whether I should keep quiet about it because it's embarrassing or whether I should go see a doctor immediately. And Jared Kushner, chief White House nepotism recipient, have settled their disputes. Bannon and Kushner have clashed on key issues since Trump's election, but apparently met this month and agreed to, quote, bury the hatchet. Just as soon as they can agree which of them should have the hatchet surgically inserted into their spine and buried under eight feet of Mar-a-Lago staff inventories and New York Times headlines for think pieces neither of them actually read. The US Senate has confirmed Neil Gorsuch for the US Supreme Court because when you can't have coke at your tea party, nine out of ten kids will settle for Neil Gorsuch and pass the parcel. I have a dream. I had the best words. Not for the best. World, world, world war three. Not for the best. Under the doctrine of multiculturalism. Go back where you came from. Not for the best. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards nuclear holocaust. Retreat from the world. Alternative facts. Alternative facts. Retreat the from the world. Hell, those who forget history are going to pee fine. Alternative facts. That is no such thing. With a bang. What? I am become death. The destroyer of worlds. Retreat from the world. One, two. World War Three. I see. I wish that was dead. Welcome to Not With The Bang, your audio guide to the end of a world where journalists must now specifically differentiate fake news from real fake news, and so it's probably not worth getting too choked up about it. This is episode number three, which is also the number of the rapidly impending world war to be fought with rocks and polar bear bones over the remaining surface land between the jet-ski-riding maritime marauders, the cave-dwelling half-vampire nihilistas, and cannibalistic Bone Clan. Proud member of the Bone Clan, Pat McCaffrey, reporting for duty. And I'm Lance Turnbull. And Millie can't be with us today because she's dead. To us. As in she's busy and she'll be back next time. First up, UK PMTM, the United Kingdom's Prime Minister, Theresa May, has called a general election for June the 8th this year, going against her previous promise to hold the election after June the 8th this year. Specifically, three years after June the 8th this year, in 2020. (laughs) And, like, I think she'd want to be careful, because, like, breaking an election promise that involves putting people through a general election is probably the worst political promise you can break. It's like how voters react seemingly by saying, oh, oh, please, please don't make me involve myself in the democratic process. I I don't want to see how the sausage is made, let alone be be forced to be involved in making it. Just, Just don't make me confront the horrors of making a decision between two political parties I view as fundamentally flawed. At which point, the leader of the Liberal Democrats would pop up to remind UK voters that there is a third way. But given I've just said, quote, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, rather than being able to name who that actually is, I think we can assume UK voters aren't interested in that option. But please, don't make me watch people talk about politics on morning television. I mean, it's bad enough when they interview Mumford and Sons or the F-list nobodies on the latest series of Dancing with the Stars, but 
But if Marcus Mumford or Peter Andre gets asked whether an increased Conservative Party majority should lead Theresa May to push for a harder Brexit, I, th I think I might just plunge my face directly into my Wheaties and wait for the twitching to stop. <laughs> but for his part, right, Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn actually supported Theresa May's decision to go to the general election early. And I think that's nice. I mean, like, too often these days, oppositions just oppose things for the sake of opposing them. So I think it's nice to see Corbyn taking the opposition in this different, more mature direction. You know, And also, like, given Labour's polling position, and they are a long way behind, given that polling position, I think we can take Corbyn's decision to support the election as also an announcement that the UK Labour Party definitely supports euthanasia. <laughs> And why the hell can the party and government decide when to call the election anyway? That would be like if the members of a particular party were allowed to draw the boundaries of their own voting districts. Or if a vote were decided based on, according to Wikipedia, a mechanism established by the United States Constitution for the indirect election of the President of the United States and Vice President of the United States, in which citizens of the United States vote in each state at a general election to choose a slate of electors pledged to vote for a party's candidate, for instance. <laughs> Theresa May is campaigning as the proponent of a hard Brexit Which firstly is the name of a particularly unpleasant sex position I saw in a porno once and tried it But it was actually kind of gross and now I have haunting dreams about it And secondly is an odd campaign strategy I mean, Surely Britain is in the hungover walk of shame in last night's high heels phase of the Brexit vote? <laughs> I think the, uh, the hard Brexit right is where uh, Margaret Thatcher fucks a coal miner to death I think that's... <laughs> That's what that is, right? No wonder you're being haunted by that. Because uh, I think I think that's right. They're in the hungover walk of shame part, right? This is the part where essentially they call their housemate at a bus stop and ask them exactly where their life has gone wrong before realising that their housemate isn't even their friend, really. They're just someone they live with. You had such plans, Teresa. You were going to go to dance school. <laughs> Polls are saying that the election will be a conservative landslide, but polls also said that people would overwhelmingly reject leaving the EU in a referendum. If there's one thing we've learnt in the last year about polls, it's that they are about as infallible as the Pope. By which I mean, they're about as infallible as a senile 80-year-old man yelling at the sky about gays and abortion. Mexicans are turning unborn fetuses into transgender Muslims and the solution is no condoms for Africa. <laughs> ah, that's right. You're listening to Not With A Bang, your audio guide to the end of the world. And speaking of Mexicans, in the USA, Trump's chickens are coming home to roost, specifically in Indiana, where a Trump voter was surprised to find out her husband, who is an undocumented immigrant, is being deported. And despite this affecting her, Helen Bretherden said she still supported Trump's immigration policies. So I think it's fair to say that their relationship is a little on the rocks, like some form of couples counselling might be in order. Particularly when you consider the sort of blasé attitude she takes to this whole situation. She told NBC News, quote, Yeah, it's going to be a long vacation in Riviera Maya. What the fuck is wrong with you? Your husband has been deported, and you're talking about it like it's a family holiday. Which it isn't, because normally family holidays involve the whole family. Or at least, they do to begin with, and then everyone gets pissed off with each other, you go off into groups, and there's an argument over mini-golf. Anyway, she also said about Mexico, quote, Never been there. I've never been to Mexico. Maybe I get to go. To get to the beautiful places, like go to Cancun or do fun things, right? What part of this do you think is wrong? What is wrong with this person, right? Her husband is being detained, and not just detained, detained in Wisconsin. That is the whitest place on earth, right? Imagine people who go to a country club, but a country club during ski season, right? Or like 
Everyone on the rod and gun email list checking their iPhone for the latest information about their next wine tasting class while listening to learn to speak Spanish in six easy steps. <laughs> That's where your husband is. And you think this is going to be a fun holiday destination. Go fuck yourself. Uh, she's an optimist. <laughs> I just feel like if I was her husband, I'd be feeling like this relationship is a little one way. That's all. This is Uh, and in related, holy shit, we're all going to die soon, which is a shame because Thor Ragnarok is coming out in November news. Several of the world's hottest political flashpoints have been getting particularly hot and particularly flashy lately, partly as a result of the Trump administration's involvement in them. I feel like we've come to terms with the reality that he's going to destroy America. And to be honest, I wasn't all that attached to it anyway. But now he's turned his focus on the rest of the world. And, and that's a huge concern because I live there. Yeah, yeah, we live there. We... <laughs> We've been so caught up worrying about how the world is going to end from climate change, we forgot to worry about the imminent threat of nuclear apocalypse. Which, in itself, is a solution to climate change, you know? Like, I'm not saying that's a good one, but it should be on the table. Uh, Because tensions in the will-they-won't-they relationship between North Korea and America have increased in the last few weeks. Uh, North Korea has threatened to carry out weekly missile tests and threatened all-out war if the US uses military force. While it turns out that the US aircraft carrier Carl Vinson, which Trump had claimed was sailing towards North Korea, was in fact sailing in the exact opposite direction and ended up over 5,000 kilometers away from the Korean peninsula. Classic Trump maneuver there, you know, keep your opponents guessing by having absolutely no idea what you yourself are doing. I think Carl Vinson was my stepdad. (laughs) Well, when you say, is he your stepdad, is that because he's over 5,000 kilometers away from where he's meant to be? (laughs) Lance's home life is sad. (laughs) Trump also decided to quell tensions with the dystopian dictatorship by tweeting, North Korea is looking for trouble. If China decides to help, that would be great. If not, we will solve the problem without them. USA. (laughs) Nice to know where he's doing his tweeting from. Uh, And if North Korea is looking for trouble, then the US will totally bring the thunder. They'll just bring that thunder like about 5,000 kilometres away from the Korean peninsula because they lost the aircraft carrier. But is this more than just a war of words? I hope so, because Kim Jong-un doesn't speak English. And neither does Donald Trump, really. Yeah. It seems the world is trapped in a bit of an endless cycle with North Korea. Paranoid that the rest of the world hates their way of life and want to destroy them, the North Korean government keep increasing their military fortitude. Then, critical of North Korea's way of life and terrified by their growing military might... We resolve that they must be destroyed. And really, in a related sense, there's been increasing pressure now on China to rein in North Korea. Uh, Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull said, quote, It has the greatest obligation and responsibility to bring North Korea back into a realm of at least responsibility in terms of its engagement with its neighbours. Which seems like politicians are basically making China North Korea's designated driver. Almost like North Korea is the drunk friend at a party yelling, You just wait. I'll fucking show you. you. You don't know anything. You want to go? Let's go. <laughs> and and then starving half a million of its own citizens to make a political point before passing out drunk on the floor. And Trump's fascination with exercising his military might began earlier in the month with a decision to launch 59 Tomahawk missiles at the Syrian Shayrat Air Base in response to the Assad regime using chemical weapons, allegedly, against civilians in an attack in Khan Shakun. 
Previously, former Please Come Back Daddy President Obama had said that any effort by President Bashar al-Assad to use chemical weapons would cross a red line. But the US did not engage militarily when Assad had previously gassed his own citizens in 2012. Well then, as usual, the Trump administration consulted its foreign policy advisers over at Fox and Friends, and over waffles and outrage, Trump was convinced to do something about this. Trump was shocked by images of murdered children that the nice man on Fox put on his telly box because the news that more than 50,000 children have already died in the conflict over the last six years hadn't managed to reach him yet. Well, that's just because the red line for Trump is 50,001 dead Syrian children. And in response to the crisis, the Trump administration announced that they would be accepting a special humanitarian intake of refugees from Syria, as long as they weren't Muslim, or Syrian, or refugees. Also, they're still slashing foreign aid. Because <laughs> this is my point. I actually feel like there's a remote chance that the attack was coordinated by Syrians just to try and draw attention to the unfolding humanitarian crisis that we in the West have been ignoring for the last six years. Because sometimes overreacting is literally the only way to get the right attention. Like when, you know, your six-year-old cousin Toby kills ants. That's just because Toby doesn't understand the difference between good attention and bad attention. Because, like, in reading about the attack, I was watching the news coverage and a journalist actually said... Finally, the Western world seems to care about the situation in Syria. No, we don't, right? Trust me, those images of dead Syrian children only distracted me from BuzzFeed's 13 best moments from Real Housewives of Sydney for like three seconds at best. At best. (laughs) (laughs) And Trump had been one of the most prolific public opponents of US military involvement, tweeting back in 2013... The only reason President Obama wants to attack Syria is to save face over his very dumb red line statement. Do not attack Syria. Fix USA. Which is kind of a vague statement. I mean, who knows what he could have really meant by that? Could he have meant do not attack, comma, Syria? Yeah. I mean, or could he have meant someone needs to remember to feed zombie Nancy Reagan because she's hungry. She needs tasty treats. May well have been. Luckily, though, Trump immediately qualified what he meant by that. What I am saying is stay out of Syria. And give Nancy her tasty treats. She needs treats. Previously, as in up to last week, Trump's position had been to stay out of Syria and leave Assad in power in order to focus on defeating ISIS, with US Ambassador Nikki Haley telling the UN last month, uh, our priority is no longer to sit there and focus on getting Assad out. But it seems Trump has now seen what Australia's last great visionary leader, Tony Abbott, eloquently described as, it's not baddies versus baddies, it's baddies versus worsies. It's like the strangest children's book narration of this conflict. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Trump team had claimed that their missile response was a humanitarian effort, with Trump bemoaning the tragic murder of men, women, and quote, beautiful babies. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. And forget about crossing a red line. Here's Trump the day after the missile response. That crosses many, many lines beyond a red line. Many, many lines. They're just so many. The best lines. So many lines. Tremendous lines. The sorts of lines that Meryl Streep wins undeserved Oscars for. And speaking of lines, the line from Damascus is that they have never used chemical weapons. Not even that time in 2012 when they did. Instead, they offer, perhaps the chemical weapons were held in a rebel stockpile and were accidentally set off in an explosion. An explosion which came from the air and was launched from a government base, and also the explosion was full of poison gas. Those cheeky rebels. 
So now we basically have the Syrian and US governments lying to everybody about everything. Not just them, because America's response complicates relations with angry, vodka-soaked, I don't have a problem, you have a problem, stepbrother, Russia, (laughs) which continues to be a strong Syrian ally, having vetoed attempts by the UN Security Council to impose sanctions on the Syrian government. I feel like we're getting a strange insight into your personal life in this episode. (laughs) Coming back to your brother, your stepbrother, your stepdad. Because, like, after the UN did that, now Russia has suspended its agreement with the US to prevent mid-air aircraft collisions in Syrian airspace. Putin spokesman Dmitry Peskov, yeah, that name checks out, claimed that the strikes were carried out, quote, under an invented pretext. Ah, yes. A pretext that was invented by Bashar al-Assad. And the pretext being he used chemical weapons on his own citizens. Well, see, maybe the Russians are trying to be nice about this. They're just trying to break the news to us gently. Like, you know, relax. It's not actually as bad as you think it is. It's just all an invention. You know, this is like make-believe, like the Easter Bunny or superannuation for hospitality workers. (laughs) So that was the first major military move by the Trump administration, as well as the first attack on the Syrian government by the US. Because prior to this, Trump had been terrifying, yes, but essentially toothless. He'd tried to cut taxes, dismantle healthcare, ban immigrants, refuse to shake hands with German leaders. Although, to be fair, that last one is a reasonable suspicion, right? We shouldn't forget what they did. (laughs) Wasn't that long ago, Germany. (laughs) But there were checks and balances on those things, most of them being Republican infighting. Look, until they can agree on exactly how long three-year-old Jack should have to wait to get a new kidney and how many fourth-second mortgages his family will have to take down to get it, he's got to stay on dialysis. But now there's nothing stopping Trump launching missiles whenever the shouty man news box shows him a picture of something sad, like a baby seal being clubbed to death by a circa 2005 My Chemical Romance fan who is an onion with a self-harm habit. Now I just feel like onion rings. Well, this next story may be the most shocking of all. As keen calendar enthusiasts out there may well be aware, we've just had the Easter holidays, and as expected, it was an exhausting political battleground, the likes of which I don't want to see again for at least another 352 days. First up, we have political correctness, which went, as it seems to be doing with increasing regularity of late, mad. Australians were horrified to learn this Easter that Jesus' favourite chocolate rabbit eggs, which, as we know, died for our sins on... I want to say a uh, tepid hot cross bun, had been callously rebranded as holiday eggs countrywide. But how did we learn this? One brave political party, by which I mean just one man and literally no one else at all, the Australian Conservatives, by which I mean just ex-Liberal Party Senator Cory Bernardi and literally no one else in Australia, were, by which I mean was, audacious enough to stand up for what's right. By which I mean right on the political spectrum. A dramatic call to action, by which I mean a petition, was tweeted by the Australian Conservatives' Twitter account, by which I mean the real one run by Cory Bernardi and not one of the countless fake accounts that parody him and you should definitely not start because it's actually quite easy to sign up for a Twitter account and just copy his Australian Conservatives logo and start tweeting paranoid nonsense under any circumstance. Uh, Tweeted by the Australian Conservatives' Twitter account earlier in the month, quote, Chocolate manufacturers have bowed at the altar of political correctness, refusing to use the term Easter in marketing their chocolate eggs this Easter. Australian conservatives will write to major chocolate manufacturers asking them on your behalf to keep Easter in Easter eggs. Well, thank you, Cory Bernardi. Without your leadership, 
I don't know who would be out there every day asking the tough questions. Questions such as, what the fuck? And has anybody ever seen a single instance of a store selling a holiday egg ever, even one time? I like the way that uh, I like the way that he says chocolate manufacturers have bowed at the altar of political correctness, which is a particularly religious metaphor to use when you're <laughs> complaining that these companies are irreligious. Oh, that reminds me, I need to get some more virgin blood for my uh, altar to political correctness. I don't. I don't think. Oh, are you talking about Jesus? Was he a virgin? Well, let's let's not go there. Too soon. <laughs> but that wasn't the only outrage this Easter. Pauline Hansen, One Nation Party leader and woman who literally cannot speak full sentences in the only language she knows, released a Facebook video last week suggesting that Australians go out and buy non-halal Easter eggs for the kids on Easter. Children, of course, being notoriously suspicious of Islam and its dietary guidelines. The number of complaints kids <laughs> level about halal Easter eggs. Gah. Oh, they need to get over it, frankly. <laughs> Cadbury is out, their chocolates being, amongst other labels such as kosher and Australian made, certified halal, meaning that they directly fund Islamist terrorism. She instead suggested Australians purchase Easter eggs from competitors Lint and Daryl Lee. And thank God's only son, the Easter Bunny, for that. Having Easter eggs be certified halal is the only way to go, being as how something being halal simply means that a food product can't contain blood, alcohol, meat from a pig... Or meat from a carnivorous animal. Gross. I mean, if I were to eat halal, that would rule out all my Easter favourites. Daryl Lee's Humpty Dumpty Easter Eggs post-Great Fall edition, in which, after all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again, he bled out. Captain Morgan's famous chock and rum Easter Eggs, in the traditional form of a collapsed piece of tinfoil filled with alcoholic sludge after the noxious liquid has eaten through the chocolate. And, of course, stillborn chicken eggs, which it goes without saying, contain meat. <laughs> you know, yeah, you'd also want to be careful about Captain Morgan, because I'm pretty sure Captain Morgan was actually part of the Crusades. <laughs> I think he was one of the captains. <laughs> and that's, again, that's a tricky subject to get over. Ooh. Are we sure that Pauline Hansen just doesn't have a commercial agreement with Lint and Daryl Lee? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was almost identical to a late night infomercial. Yeah, because this is suspicious. Complete with her walking from out of frame and then walking over (laughs) to a Daryl-y chocolate bunny. (laughs) Did she she explain the easy payment plan that you could sign up to (laughs) to pay for your Linton Daryl-y chocolate? Oh, they're not cheap. (laughs) But they also help you lose weight, presumably. Not with a bang. Your audio guide to the end of the world. All right, and that's the show. So what are you up to, Pat? Uh, My show, Don't Watch the News, Watch Pat McCaffrey, is running till this Sunday, uh, the 23rd of April, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, uh, 9.45 at the Chinese Museum. Uh, Don't Watch the News, Watch Pat McCaffrey. What are you up to, Lance? Uh, I'm up to uh, this podcast. Uh, So I strongly recommend you listen to this. Uh, I also strongly recommend you... Go on the iTunes store or Apple Podcasts on your iPhone and search for Not With A Bang. Rate it five stars or four. I mean, if you don't think we're that good, you know. Uh, Understandable. That's, that's, that's also fine. Yeah. Five would be nice. Yes, but do go do that because we would like to be on the iTunes store so that people listen to this. That'd be ideal. That would be, yes, that would be ideal. Yeah. I, as fond as I am of yelling into the void... Mm. 
It just, it gets old. As fond as I am at yelling at you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> equally that gets old. Oh, my pet name for you is The Void. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Should have put that together. <laughs> Pat The Void McCaffrey. <laughs> Come see that comedy festival show. <laughs> just an uh, hour of nothingness. You're going through your blue face. Yeah, seriously. Come see my show. Though. <laughs> yes, and Millie will be back next time. Uh, but she is busy right now because she is doing completely improvised Potter at Trades Hall at 9.30 until this Saturday night, I believe. The 22nd, yeah. The 22nd, yes. So, go see Millie, completely improvised Potter, 22nd of April at 9.30. I believe that's like selling out pretty fast, they say. Yeah, so probably don't go and see that. Come see my show. Don't bother. I'm at 9.45, Chinese Museum. (laughs) Near Chinatown as well, so you can get something to eat on Little Burke Street as well. Trades Hall's got nothing. It's only it's only <laughs> on Lycon Street, so you wouldn't find anything. Yeah, there. nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't need you. She's selling out. Don't <laughs> do not support Millie Holden. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't need you, and she doesn't want you either. To be honest, she doesn't want you. No. Where is she? Yeah, exactly. Where is exactly. she? <laughs> I've never forgotten. I'm here. I don't forget <laughs> the little people. Uh, great. All right. That's it. We'll be back next time with another Not With The Bang.